The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? But do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. But uh, anyway, are we ready to jump into the recap for last week since you technically read it twice yeah especially the chapter we're about to do is like long af but anyway oh is it yes it's like oh sweet jesus yes but anyway so what happened was they finally got down and dirty in the woods which i don't know why you would do but i guess you do what you gotta do yeah so that was nice and their pillow talk was horrible (laughs) absolutely horrible but yeah so that's what happened for the most part so yeah they had sex and ramus talked about his future mate and maya of course is thinking about tonks and then they talked about her connection with sirius yes and then afterwards they were like well we can't date each other anymore but we're still sexually compatible so let's do it again wow wow but, so the last episode was October 31st. Now we are jumping all of the way to December 19th, 1975. I swear to God, you would think we're recording at like 10 o'clock at night. It's fucking, it's not even 7. But that's fine. Well, it's almost 7 year time. It's almost 8 mine. But Reach it. Yeah. We're 85 on the inside. <laughs> and without further ado, The Dead of Time. Chapter 43, Just Enough. December 19th, 1975. What do you want for Christmas? Remus groaned the question into a pillow as Maya kneaded the muscles in his back. He was extremely sore and exhausted. It was nearing time for dinner, and he had spent the whole day recovering in bed. Maya was almost just as exhausted, having helped him with his recovery. Her soreness, however, was much more pleasant than his. The night before had seen the four marauders and Maya in the shrieking shack. James and Sirius suggested letting Mooney out uh, out a little to run through the forest, but Remus had been insistent that they keep him properly shut away until he felt in complete control, which he admitted might not ever happen. Drinking the Wolfsbane potion the week prior helped him stay in control. Having four animagus friends around him during the full moon kept him calm. Maya suspected that having a naked girl waiting for him in his bed once he left the hospital wing might make enduring the full moon almost worth it. Though they had put an end to their official relationship the night they had given their virginities to one another, Remus and Maya did not tell a soul. It certainly made it easier when they were occasionally caught snogging on the sofa in the common room, empty classrooms, or dark corridors. 
Despite knowing that their stories ended with different people, Maya and Remus had found safe solace in one another. He would use her during his more aggressive moments as the full moon approached, allowing him to wear himself out a bit, which he admitted helped control his temper. She would use him to fulfill the most important rule in the guide that his older self had left for her. Enjoying life. The days before the full moon, anyone searching the dark alcoves of the castle would find Maya pressed up tight against some rough surface as she coaxed the animal out of Remus, nipping at his lips and neck and roughly pulling at his hair while he drove into her, growling behind golden eyes as she moaned, Harder! into the shell of his ear. <laughs> I knew that was gonna get you. <sighs> yeah, it is raunchy from here on out, friends. Get ready. Oh, Jesus. And I'm not wearing long sleeves, people. I'm so proud. She's getting it, guys. She's actually getting it. Yes. Uh, he had still not lost control with her, and Maya almost wished that he would. His aggressive side was becoming addicting, and she felt guilty that he would feel anxious and worried after the rougher moments they shared together, nervous that he might have hurt her. She did not dare tell him just how much she enjoyed it. I think we're going to read Outlet next. Anyway. Oh my god, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is cool that I saw the, like, the warning thing and it was like, explicit BDSM, uh, blah 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 and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, she just finished it too, so that's exciting. Yeah, because but... Audrey was like, I'm reading uh, Shia's other one, I'm like, Outlet, and she goes, no, the other one, and I'm like, oh, okay, because <laughs> I was like, if you're reading Outlet, you probably <laughs> shouldn't be reading this at work. <laughs> uh, you probably should be careful with the most Shia books at work, they'll either make you excited or cry. Yeah, I was just like, maybe you shouldn't be reading this at work, but good for you. Yeah, I'm kind of torn between, I feel like Outlet's shorter, it's only like 30 chapters, 30-something chapters, so we could finish that one off in like a year, as opposed to the three years this one is going to take, but I really, really want to do, um, oh god, Presque Toujours Pieux, which is the first Shia story I ever read, and that one's a Dramione, and I love it, but we continue. Uh, the morning following the full moon was a day of recovery. After his potions and healing in the infirmary, Remus would return to the dorms, citing the need for sleep. His understanding friends, who had all caught up on their lack of sleep during the morning hours, would vacate the room to allow him to recuperate. The moment James, Sirius, and Peter were off to the Quidditch pitch where they always ended up, Maya would slip up the stairs and into Remus's bed, where they would shut the curtains and put up the strongest of silencing and locking spells. They lazily made love beneath the comfort of clean sheets. She traced the line of his scars, kissing away the new scrapes, and they fell asleep in one another's arms with whispers of, I love you, on their lips. Remus and Maya were the perfect safety net for one another, having the ability to express and feel love in a way that, felt, uh, that kept them free from heartbreak. He didn't have to be alone while he waited decades for his mate to suddenly show up in his life. She did not have to force herself to deal with the issue of her bond with Sirius in the future where she knew he was waiting for her. 
the day after her 19th birthday. They could use each other to escape their entwined futures with other people. They used each other well, and often. You still haven't gotten me a gift? She sat straddled over the back of Remus's bare legs, moving her hands down the strained muscles of his lower back, still sore from the transformation the night before. His skin was littered with various scars that she found surprisingly beautiful, as though they told the story of his character. She leant down and pressed her lips to each one affectionately. Beneath her, Remus let out a satisfied sigh. Haven't had a chance to do much shopping. I'll have to stop by at Diagon Alley sometime before Christmas. That is, he offered with a chuckle, unless you want your present to be a repeat of today. She tried to control the shiver that went through her. The tone of voice and confidence he used when privately flirting made her muscles clench and her nerves ignite like fireworks. Aside from running for her life during the war, she had never been one to regularly exercise, but Remus was doing wonders for her now when it came to working up a sweat. I hardly think I can open this in front of my parents and brother on Christmas morning. Do you want something boyfriendish? We haven't told anyone. I don't want your parents to think poorly of me if I'm inconsiderate enough to buy you something ridiculous like sweets. Maya shrugged, digging into a particularly rough knot that caused him to hiss and then groan as it released. You're not my boyfriend. You're under no obligation to do anything of the sort. Just because we didn't take out a page in the prophet announcing our torrid breakup doesn't mean we're hiding our sudden lack of relationship. He rolled over and looked up at her. Despite their abundant lack of clothing, he kept his gaze on her face. Aren't we? She frowned, awkwardly picking at her thumbnail until he took her hands to still them from fidgeting. Not exactly. I mean, we're not correcting people when they assume we're still together, but... I think you're scared, Remus said. You're worried that if we start telling people that we're not together, that they'll... Find out we're still shagging and think I'm some scarlet woman, she asked with a mocking tone. Remus chuckled kissing her fingers. No, I think you're afraid that once Sirius knows we're not together, he'll be forced to make a decision about you, and no matter what choice he makes, it terrifies you. She glared down at him as though the accusation of her being afraid was the lowest thing he could ever say to her. I'm a Gryffindor. You told me that the sorting hat wanted to put you in Slytherin. Remus challenged her. That stupid hat was just trying to rile me up, she snarled. That's besides the point. I am not afraid of Sirius. To try and change the subject, Maya rolled her hips over him and grinned when he let out a low keen. She could feel him stirring beneath her and smirked that she could silence him with such a simple gesture. Okay, time out. Muggle freaking please. You are, you cannot, you, even though she hasn't admitted it, she cannot say that she is afraid of Sirius because she literally told him, I am not going to wait for your muggle freaking butt to make a decision. So I'm just going to go and do what I want to do. And it's his fault for not chasing and fighting and doing whatever he got to do. If he really wanted her, he had his chance that he missed out. So muggle freaking please. 
No, I know. And I think she knows that Remus, I think, is just saying that she she's comfortable knowing that Sirius isn't chasing her because she's with Remus. And if Remus is no longer there as a buffer, he has to decide if he wants her or not. And she's not ready for him to have to make that decision because what if he doesn't pick her? She made it for him by saying, I'm not waiting for you. She did, but once she's single, she's on the market again. Whatever. Whatever. Children. Oh my lip hurts so bad. I don't yep, understand this anymore. Were we really this stupid? Cat, <laughs> might I remind you what your dating escapades were like at 15? Zero. Absolutely zero. My longest relationship wasn't until I was 2021, 20, so nothing. I seem to remember somebody dating a little something, something in high school. There was a couple. There was one in eighth grade that lasted a hot minute. Yeah, that was like four months. That was a hot minute in fourth grade, or eighth grade, fourth grade, eighth grade. Oh, also remember that time that I got asked out for the very, very first time by Anthony Feliciano and then he dumped me four days later because he thought I liked you? He liked you? That sounded like I liked you. I do like you. But he thought you liked him, so he dumped me so he could ask you out. Remember? I hated him. I know. Gross. Horrible person. He got me so excited. I was saying I love you within like 30 minutes because it was the first boy who had ever asked me out. Well, him thinking that you liked me makes sense because a lot of people think we're lesbians, so I guess that makes sense. That was that was my speech impediment. That was me saying that he thought I liked you. He yes, thought he I, liked I, I, you. No, I'm just saying that it makes sense because a lot of people, and I'm just like, no. Like our mothers. Yes. But yes. That's one of the reasons why I one of the pictures you sent me that for suggestions for Time Turner Tuesday. That's why I haven't posted it because I'm afraid and I don't think that Is we should... Is it the one with you laying on my back or whatever? Yeah, because like people are going to look at that and be like, um... I'm pretty sure I had something of yours and you like pinned me down to try and get it and I kept holding it out and I also had my phone in my hand so I snapped the picture of you like, yeah, no, it's a classic. It's a classic and now you have to post it because we talked about it. Yay! Okay, I'll do it on Tuesday. But Jesus, I I was like toying with the idea today, but I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Let's go with zombies. <laughs> oh Lord! You were an absolute gem when we were zombies, though, because guys, I had just gotten out of the army. My knee was totally screwed up. I could not ride a bike, so I could not partake in the zombie bike ride. And when I said how sad I was, Cat goes. Well, my mom has a tricycle with a basket in the back. I wonder if you'd fit. And she I did. did. So she got drunk in a basket and then started yelling at me and saying, Noble Steed, faster, Noble Steed. And then I like stood up in the basket and I had like one hand on your shoulder and the other hand like fist yes. in the air and it was... It was glorious. And then when I did it last year with Brianna, it was all over again. <laughs> All over again. Good times. Good I was, times. Like, was like four why? miles, wasn't it? Yes. And I'm like, why am I always the one that has to pedal with the person in the basket? Like, why am I doing this? 
<laughs> hey, I brought snacks. Yes, I And know. music. Yeah, well, she had no snacks or music, so you were a better passenger. Dong. Anyway, the death of time. So, anyway, she is not afraid of Sirius. And then Maya rolled her hips to try and change the subject, and now I'm gonna yawn. <sighs> no, you're in love with Sirius, he countered. Maya sighed. Maybe she wasn't so talented at shutting Remus up. He looked like he was trying to fight back the urge to take her again so soon. His face showed a stern concentration, but she felt him swiftly growing hard again beneath her. Uh, sorry, I had to figure out who was talking. <laughs> Make sure I... Well, no, because if I do it in the Maya voice and then it's Remus, it's weird. You're worried that he'll find out we're not together, and he won't tell you that he loves you as well. She clenched her teeth and schooled her expression, trying not to let him see how his words affected her so strongly. And he probably won't, because he's just as terrified as you are. I'm pretty sure we made a rule to not talk about Sirius while we're naked, Maya said firmly, and Remus rolled his eyes. I have sex with you to work out pent-up aggression. You have sex with me because you're hiding, he accused her. She stared down at him, her mouth falling open in shock. I have sex with you because I love you. And I love you, but you know it's different. It would be different if I was serious. Jealous, she teased, trying to ease the tension and securely bury her rising fears of inadequacy and rejection that Sirius tended to bring out in her. Remus laughed. Hardly. I'm the one you're on top of, aren't I? And what if it suddenly was serious? She asked him, point blank. A part of her worried that Remus was not being entirely honest with her. This was their safe place, here in the arms of one another, and she knew that Remus would be alone for years. A part of her did not want to pursue anything further with Sirius because she didn't want to leave Remus by himself. She didn't want her friend, her heart, to be alone. But you know he's not going to be alone because eventually he's going to marry Tonks, muggle. Yeah, but how many years did he spend alone before he met Tonks? With James dead, Peter gone, and Sirius and Azkaban. Well, a lot of people spend a lot of time alone before they find the one, so he can drink some butterbeer and get over it. Fair. Fire whiskey, probably, but... I would be happy for you, he promised, and she frowned as she saw the sincerity in his eyes. I'd be watching him to make sure he didn't screw it up. Your happiness would bring me happiness. Her frown deepened. You'd be alone. Not that our time together isn't anything short of, well, mind-blowing. But I did manage to get along before we started shagging. Maya smirked down at him, seeing the wonder of a confident Remus, who would have blushed at this conversation not two months earlier. Thinking of Sirius, however, pulled the amusement away. He's wounded. She broke eye contact with Remus and sighed, hating how easily he was able to read her. When the two friends turned levers were caught in a moment of passion, it was helpful that he knew her so well. 
He paid close attention to the way her eyes clouded, the slightest gasp on the edge of her lips or the smallest twitch of her nose. In the aftermath, when she felt vulnerable and exposed, he saw right through her and brought everything to the surface, forcing her to address her issues. So are you. He reached up and took her hand, tugging it forward until she fell on top of his chest, where he then wrapped his arms around her, holding her close. I don't see why you are, or what you're always holding back, but I can see it. Smell it. I don't know how to deal with him at this age, she admitted, hoping to change the subject from her own wounds, wounds he could apparently see to serious. Maya worried that uh, what would happen when the scars of her past began to literally come back to haunt her. How would she explain them, especially to Remus, who had seen all of her perfect, unblemished flesh? You're the same age, Remus pointed out. No, we're not. You said so yourself. You and I are different. Sirius is a child right now. He's spoiled, and he thinks he can get away with anything. He pounces when he doesn't get everything he wants, and he refuses to open up to me or anyone else about his problems. I could never be intimate with him, not now, not like... She sat up and gestured to the small space between them. Not like this. Do you know what your problem is? Remus asked, tracing his fingers over her hips. You try to get everything right on the first attempt. You're so brilliant at charms, you can alter them to create your own. You brew the wolfsbane potion with ease, and from what you've told me about it, one mess up, and I'll be the one that suffers. You became an animagus in six months when it took Sirius, James, and Peter three years. Not to mention that for a pureblood who's never taken muggle studies, you're astounding. Astonished. <laughs> it's astounding. I saw astonishing at first. Astoundingly knowledgeable about things that I don't even know about, and I've got a muggle mother. Everything is easy for you. She rolled her eyes. Are you saying Sirius wouldn't be easy? Remus scoffed. To get into bed, you'd barely have to blink your eyes at him. But to break through those defensive barriers he puts up around him, it could take years. Plus, you don't like that he doesn't just open up to you. That it's not as easy as magic. Not everything comes easily to me, she pouted, arguing with him in order to avoid the real issue. I'm rubbish at flying. Maybe you should challenge yourself then. Sweet Jesus, this is such a long chapter. You're right. Oh, my God. Sorry. Mouth stretches. You ever see, there was this, like, one, like, set of workout tapes that my parents had, like, back in the day, and one of the things was to do face exercises, so I watched it once, and the lady's like, okay, so this is how we're gonna work out our mouth, and she goes, And, like, holds it with her mouth just, like, open like that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And then years later, I saw a video on Facebook, and it was, like, of her doing that. But every time she opened her mouth, it made farting noises. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> it was, like, the funniest thing ever. Also, I'm a child, and farting will never not be funny. Also, that brings up fun fan interactions. What funny names did your family have for farting? 
Because in my family, anytime somebody farted, it was immediately, you guys hear a Cuban barking spider? Cuban barking spider. Hmm. Must be out. And it was anytime it was like, ah, Cuban barking spiders are out and about again. Yeah, no. Do you have anything like that? No? No? Okay, maybe my family was just fucking weird. All right. Take my Cuban barking spiders and sit over here then. Yeah, at least not that I remember, but I don't think so. Like, I do, like, I do remember sometimes when we were in the car and my mom would be like, who farted? My dad would be like, it's the seaweed. But <laughs> that's <laughs> all that really happened. I, I do miss living this far inland because you can't blame farts on rotting seaweed. Yeah. Uh, anyway. The dead December 24th, 1975. Huh? Huh? What'd you say? You said anyway, and I said the dead of time. Oh. Because that's our transition word, because Hannah Beth says we have to have a transition word. It's like a safe yeah. word. Safe word. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, December 24th, 1975. Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheese. Okay, Charlie Brown. Our favorite time of year. I can't fucking wait for Christmas this year because I have a motherfucking fireplace with a mantle that I can hang stockings on. Well, just make sure they don't catch on fire. Well, yeah, we don't actually have the fireplace hooked up yet, but. Oh my God, stop yawning. I'm sorry. That's the title of this episode. Oh my god, stop yawning. You heard it here first, Hannah Beth. December 24th, 1975. Christmas Eve found everyone in wonderful spirits. Charles and Doria had decorated the entire house, much to the great displeasure of Tilly, who wanted to do it all her own. James and Maya were happy to be home from Hogwarts, enjoying the company of family and friends. Sirius was nearly a permanent guest, and the Lupins had come by to enjoy the festivities with a few friend with the few friends they had left in the wizarding world. Presents had been exchanged with bright smiles around the largest Christmas tree in the whole manor. Charles and Doria, as per usual, doted upon the children as well as their guests, who all, save for Sirius, struggled with the lavish gifts that were given to them. By the end of the night, Remus had more chocolate than he could possibly carry, so it was helpful that Maya's gift had been a new school bag with an undetectable extension charm. Remus's gift to Maya had been a beautiful phoenix feather quill and, an, and new rolls of parchment. As usual, James and Sirius got new bro- broomstick servicing kits. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> Service your broomsticks, kids. Keep it well lubricated. See, that's funny because I got set a meme today where every word that he said that had wand was replaced with dick, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Harry took the dick into his hand. Yes. Ollivander, oh, wiggle it around a bit. <laughs> no, my favorite one is like the one where Ron breaks his wand, and he's like, my dick, <laughs> dick, my dick, I broke my dick. classic oh god and i just jumped ahead so that it's really funny anyway um 
uh, James had the AD communication communicating galleon that Maya had made with protean charm turned into a necklace for her, and she, in turn, as a gift, offered to allow him to teach her to fly. Wait, what? What does AD mean? Assisted defense. Oh, okay. I was more like Bible after death. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Catholic school, that's what happens. AD is always after death. It's technically Anno Domani, but yeah, or Domini, one of the two. But yes, whatever. English. Nomini Patriot Filiat Spiritus Sancti. Anyway, uh, Sirius also presented Maya with. Sirius also presented Maya with jewelry in the form of mismatched earrings. The left, a sterling silver silhouette of a cat with the word kitten engraved on it. On the right, a golden image of a fox. Maya presented him with a gift of her own creation. A plain but beautiful silver chain that had been charmed as an emergency port key. Touch it and say portus. Yeah, that's what he said. And that's what I jumped to earlier where I was chuckling. Touch it and say portus, she instructed, and it'll bring you right back here. She knew Sirius had issues with his family. After their encounter with Bellatrix at Narcissa's wedding, she realized that at some point in the future, Sirius was going to need a safe escape. She frowned at the thought that he could have used this gift while in Azkaban. Sirius smiled softly at her. It's great. I'll wear it always he promised, and slipped the chain around his neck. If it's for emergencies, though, what if I don't have a wand to activate the charm? What do you think we'll be working on in AD when we get back to school? She said with a devious smile. You don't know wandless magic, Sirius whispered incredulously. I know a little. She smiled at the memory of her and an older Sirius in front of the tent late at night. Harry slept on on inside, the horcrux locket around his neck while she and Sirius stood out side by side by the fire, Hermione desperately trying to freeze the flames, and Sirius doing so with great ease, all wandlessly. I do find it funny, like the circular things that happen in the timeline. Sirius taught Hermione how to use wandless magic, which means she's going to go into the past and teach Sirius how to do wandless magic, which means who the fuck actually taught them? Because it's just them teaching each other in a constant circle. But anyway. I don't know. (gasps) Things that make my brain hurt. Well, I'm sure one of our listeners has the answer to that question. Shia! Shia! I mean, come on. We learned the history of Mountain Dew a couple weeks ago. I was like, okay. (laughs) Who knew that was a thing? First soda ever made per... the, the, the specifically for whiskey, which I still haven't tried. I need to. Also, I've got two different flip-flops on my feet right now, and it's freaking me out. Says the person who wears two different socks. Always. But the flip-flops freak her out. Okay. Well, yeah, because they're different shoes. One has arch support. One does not. One has like a, one's a Kino. The other one's a rainbow. It's, no. Anyway, I have like six pairs of shoes under my desk right now, though, so I just keep fiddling with them. Anyway. Um, does anyone want more pumpkin cider? Maya asked as she stood to go to the kitchen. She was excited because for her Christmas gift from Tilly, she had asked her to take the night off. Begrudgingly, Tilly agreed, allowing Maya a bit of free run in the kitchen. Thank you, dear. Doria smiled at her, and a few other hands were raised. 
I'll help, Sirius said as he moved to follow her. Before either of them made it towards the kitchen, however, they were suddenly stuck in place. What the? Maya blinked. A slight look of fear crossed over her as she realized she was trapped in a nearly two-by-two box next to Sirius. Uh Uh-oh, James laughed, pointing up. Hovering above them was a cluster of charmed mistletoe. Who did it? Maya turned and glared at her brother. James held up his hands. To be fair, I said several mistletoe loose before you told me Evans changed her holiday plans and wouldn't be coming over. Tricking a girl into kissing you won't win her affections, darling. Doria amusingly reprimanded her son, looking completely nonplussed about Maya and Sirius's awkward situation. Take it off, James, Charles instructed. His voice sounded amused, but the look on his face was clear discomfort. Can't. Only one way to get out of it, James laughed again, and looked over at Remus, who was preoccupied himself by seeing how many things he could fit inside his new bag, resolutely not looking at Sirius and Maya. Sorry, Remus. You heard prongs? Only one way out. Sirius wrapped his arm around Maya, brushing the hair from her face with gusto. You might want to look away while I ravish your woman, Mooney. No ravishing, Charles said with a huff. James, get that thing away from your sister. The mistletoe or Sirius? James asked innocently. I fucking love that line. <laughs> Fine by me. Remus shrugged with a smile as he looked up at Maya. Everyone else went absolutely silent as Maya's eyes widened as she stared at her traitorous ex. She's a free witch. What do you mean a free witch? Sirius asked. We broke up, Maya admitted impatiently, casting a scathing look at Remus. James turned on Remus, glaring him down. What did you do? Jamie! Maya snapped. He didn't do anything other than out my single status just now with his big stupid mouth. We broke up months ago. It was perfectly amicable. We're better as best friends, Remus smiled up at her. Just not meant to be. How come you didn't tell anyone? James blinked, looking both confused and hurt, likely because they'd kept a secret from him. Wasn't your business? Maya said simply, wishing that she could hug her brother, but the damned mistletoe kept her in place. Plus, there was going to be no drama. Er, plus, there was no drama, and we knew once it got out, there'd be rumors going around, and I had no desire to correct all of the stories that would circulate, declaring that I'd broken the heart of the handsome, perfect Gryffindor prefect. The word perfect was not in there. I threw that in there because I saw prefect. Anyway. How come you'd be the heartbreaker? Remus asked with a laugh. The girl is always to blame, she said. Ouch. Not wrong, but ouch. Well, I disagree with that, but okay. Eh. I feel like when it comes to gossip, it usually falls on the girl. It's situational. It is. Maya knew from experience that, when it came to rumors and gossip, she would always be the one in the wrong. She was surprised that her face was not plastered across the Daily Prophet by now. Then again, Rita Skeeter was not writing for them yet. Can I get out of this, please? She asked Sirius, who still had his arm around her as she pointed up at the mistletoe. He stared at her, 
suddenly looking like he was lacking in the confidence he'd had only moments earlier when he was under the assumption that Maya was taken. Sirius swallowed, released her, and cleared his throat. He leaned in, brushing his lips lightly over hers. It was a feathery touch, barely ghosting over her skin, and it still left her breathless. Neither bothered to close their eyes as it happened so fast. Maya gazed into the storm gray irises in front of her, seeing as they momentarily bled silver. She inhaled the moment he came so close, and she smelled it all. Parchment and grass, like Remus smelled, but also fire whiskey, leather, and that lingering hint of tobacco that should have disgusted her had she not grown so accustomed to his scent. It had been enough to break the mistletoe's charm. It had been enough to leave her painfully wanting more. It had been enough to reignite something deep inside. It had been just enough to pluck a tiny gold string that connected their magic. Walking away from one another was painful, but Maya forced herself to pretend nothing was amiss, even though her hands were shaking. Bringing the cider back to her family and friends, she watched as everyone went about their business as usual, as though nothing had happened. Everyone except Remus, who shook his head and looked away from her, and her mother, who pinned her with a scrutinizing look. Maya fumbled as she handed a glass of cider to her mother, trying to look unconcerned. She was certain she failed. Slytherins could be intimidating when they wanted to be. Yes. They kissed. Yes. It was cute. Well, was it cute or was it set up? Pretty sure it was a set up. Well, no, James did it. I think he was just trying to get um, poor Lily stuck with him, but that's besides the point. Okay, yep, no, it's official. This episode is Stop Yawning. Oh, God. It's a rough day, guys. It's a rough day. January 6, 1976. The new year brought with it a new world. James and Maya returned to... Sorry, that's just way too close to home for the world right now. Straight up, bro. That's, That's what I was thinking. I was like, 2020 literally is a world in and of itself. Uh, the time-space continuum has just completely gone Yeah, did I send you that thing that was like, when can I start using 2020 as a cuss word? What the 2020? Absent 2020 lootly. But for real, though. Uh, James and Maya returned to Hogwarts wearing matching slings. I thought that said thongs for a second. I was like, what? Slings. She had fulfilled her gift to James, and the moment the two of them mounted his broom, everything went south. They ended up crashing into the orchards, each breaking an arm. Despite repairing the breaks with potions and magic at St. Mungo's, they were forced to wear slings under the insistence of their mother and Tilly until they were both fully healed. Peter came back to Hogwarts looking sickly and haunted. Maya had read in the paper that his father, Evan Pettigrew, had been arrested for suspicious behavior in Nocturne Alley. Though he had been released later on for lack of evidence, she knew that this was the beginning of the end for Wormtail. If Peter had not been involved in the dark arts before, he was now connected to them through his father. Lily stepped off of the Hogwarts Express in tears after Mulciber and Avery called her a mudblood to her face, and Snape stood by, averting his gaze in front of his friends. 
Lily was not prone to emotional outbursts like that, but Maya knew that this had, uh, that this had been building over a long period of time. Soon, Snape and Lily would break permanently, and everyone but Lily would have seen it coming since the sorting hat placed her in Gryffindor. Though Sirius continued drinking and smoking over the holidays, he returned to school with a new nervous habit, fidgeting with the chain Maya had given him whenever he was visibly anxious. Even when he was able to control his expression, touching the chain became a dead giveaway to his emotional state. He had not sent a single owl to his friend since leaving Potter Manor on Christmas morning to return to Grimmauld Place, but Maya could tell something was very wrong. Instead of stepping off the train and fighting his brothers, the two black siblings had scarcely looked at one another. When they did, instead of the typical look of repugnance in Regulus's face, Maya could see trepidation. It unnerved her. When she found Sirius sitting alone in the common room after the start of term feast, fiddling with the chain around his neck as though he were already contemplating using it to escape back to Potter Manor, she took a seat beside him. He had not rolled over into her lap for well over a year. Not since she and Remus became serious. <laughs> but Sirius looked like he needed comfort. Silently, she tugged on his arm, encouraging him to tip to the uh, tip to the side to rest his head against her thighs as she ran her fingers through the black silk of his hair. Instead of retiring to the common room with his friends the night they had all returned to Hogwarts, Remus had been pulled into Dumbledore's office to speak privately. Maya worried that perhaps she and Remus had been caught in one of their private moments and someone had outed their torrid affair, but when Remus met up with everyone the following morning, she didn't need him to tell her what was wrong once the owls brought the morning paper. Werewolves on the move in Scotland. Is Hogwarts safe? It's not me, Remus said, a look of shame and sorrow on his face. We know that, Mooney, James insisted putting a comforting hand on his friend's shoulder. From the corner of her eye, Maya could see Sirius fiddling nervously with his chain. She reached across the table and took Remus's hand in her own. We're with you, every moon, Sirius finally muttered. You've never even left the shack once. You can't be with me anymore, not for a while at least, Remus whispered, looking down at his empty plate. When Maya moved to get him food, he held up a hand and shook his head. Not hungry. Dumbledore knows it isn't me, but some of the staff know about my condition, and they're nervous, so they'll be watching over me the next couple of months, at least until the other wolves are caught. Are they sure it's werewolves? Peter asked, clearing his throat nervously. <clears throat> I, I mean, there's been, you know... Death Eaters, James said, his eyes fierce and angry. Yeah, Peter muttered, them. It's wolves. There have been, um, maulings. Remus frowned at the word, and Maya squeezed his hand tightly. He swallowed hard, and his face paled. He stared ahead at his and Maya's connected hands and winced a little, as he unconsciously scratched at his shoulder where she knew the deepest of all his scars rested. Her eyes widened as she realized that Remus was not worried. He was afraid. She gasped as a horrifying thought entered her mind. Fenrir Greyback is coming. Oh! Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! Oh, 
perfect, perfect jinx, beautiful, so awesome, perfect way to end this episode. What do you think? Stuff is coming, dirty and otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. We picking up speed. We doing big things. People gonna see me blush. Yeah. Literally. And we're so excited for it, but... <laughs> I can make a funny instead of literally, I can say lily-early. <laughs> lily-early. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <sighs> Also, why is it now that whenever I think of Lavender Brown and her Juan Juan thing and being all fucking clingy and shit with him, all I hear in my head is, there's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. You haven't listened to WAP yet, have you? You need to listen to WAP. Yeah. I would like to say it is the filthiest song I've ever listened to, but I was also the one going to the window, to the wall, to the sweat drip down my balls. Ah, these females call. Ah, ski ski, motherfucker. Ah, ski ski, goddamn. So, like, technically I can't get mad. Like, I used to sing pretty inappropriate songs as a kid, but, like, this one's, it's almost... it's almost comical at the level of things that she says, but it is it is worth listening to because it is a part of the 2020 cultural phenomena. Also, I'm glad Cardi B contributed something else besides ah, coronavirus. <laughs> Although that has been an A plus uh, sound off for 2020. So thank you, Cardi B, for everything you do for us. Yes, and for apparently not being as stupid as we all think you are. <laughs> Nobody gets to that to that level being dumb. They can play dumb. Nobody is that successful without having some sort of smarts. Yeah, and like I saw an interview with I think her history teacher she had as a kid, and this lady, like I don't know if she was lying, but she was raving about how smart she was back in the day, and I'm like, okay. You gotta think, like, there's a motivational video that I watch, and it's the, god damn it, I'm not gonna remember what his name was, it's the something, hip-hop preacher, I think, but he did this whole thing, and he was like, you think Beyonce and Jay-Z got to where they are by being lazy? No. Jay-Z didn't sleep for, like, five days when he was working on this one soundtrack. He was like, he just forgot to sleep. Why? Because he was working hard. When he wasn't working on the movie, he was working on the songs. When he wasn't working on the songs, he was working on the lyrics. Like, the man didn't stop. And that's how he got to where he is. Beyonce, she does the same thing. Work, 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 work. Non-fucking-stop. That's how you get to be successful. You don't get to there by being dumb. Yeah. I mean, look at fucking Shia. She spent, what, nine months straight, bolt, like, just... Just non-stop with those fucking chapters. She's like fucking Alexander Hamilton. The man is non-stop. 
Yes, there will always be a Hamilton reference, friends. Always. Also, I have to correct myself. I tried to say something in last week's episode and I got it wrong and I couldn't figure out why the rhyme was off. But it was the Lancelot thing from Lafayette. And I kept saying, I am the Lancelot. And it's not. It's not I am. It's just Lancelot of the Revolutionary Set. And that's that makes it rhyme. Also, hi, I have minor OCD. Okay. Thank the people. Right, yeah, we should thank you guys instead of me like rambling like this is a fucking podcast or something. And now we would like to thank our Fox Patreons. Thank you so much to Miriam, Rachel, Jackie, Aguila, Carissa, Abigail, Rebecca, Becky, Sandra, Nevi, Chelsea, Ryland, Ryder, Laura, Olivia, Heather, Ashley, Claire, Claire, Amara, Jade, Shannon, Roshan, Jillian, Elise, Hannah, Martina, Paige, Amanda, Samantha, Therese, Sarah, Danielle, Miranda, Caitlin, and Rin. Thank you so much for being our Fox Level Patreons. All right, guys, and we will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Whoop, whoop. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.